Hi everyone, it's John and Ben and welcome back to Santa by the Minute, the podcast where Ben and I talk about 1985 Santa Claus the movie. One minute at a time. And this time we are on minute number 48 and the conclusion of our Coca-Cola cliffhanger. The movie cut off right at the crucial Coca-Cola moment where, where the can goes from facing one direction magically is now facing another direction but we will get into that soon <laughs> it's a detail that i think everybody noticed even as a kid i noticed this yeah how did that get by the editing i don't know <laughs> probably the same way as the plate of food and as we'll hear later in this very episode <laughs> carrie k heim herself is driven crazy by this mistake as well yes <laughs> the backstory of the coca-cola scene is hysterical mm-hmm so is there anything we have to go into at the top of the minute or should we just dive in? I'm, I, I'm already like waist deep into this minute, Ben. Let's just go. Let's All just right, go yeah, for it. Yeah, we're like a minute into this episode and I'm like, let's just talk about this Coke can. <laughs> well, I mean, there isn't really anything to t- before it. We just have Carrie crouching behind the door and then boom, there's the Coke can again. So just before Joe comes in to grab that can of Coke and plate of food everybody's eyes go to that coke can because the last time we saw that coke can a mere 20 seconds ago not even the 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 side of the can with the bold letters that just say coke Mm -hmm. is what the camera is seeing and now since cornelia has shut the door and joe has run over the can has magically turned and now we see the more cursive type logo where it says coca-cola in like that wavy lettering Yes. But even though your eyes go directly to that, what you may not notice is this plate of food looks totally different than the one that we were just complimenting last minute. Yes, the plate of food is completely different and the Coca-Cola can is opened. Oh yeah, the tab is up. It's not open all the way. No, it's like partially like it you know when you open a can open a can of soda, it goes pop. And it's with the tab is like towards you you know what i mean like how you do it but it hasn't been pushed back for you to drink it yet so it's like been opened probably for joe so maybe between that time of joe popping up between behind the trellis yeah. and opening the gate carrie i mean i'm sorry <laughs> cornelia cornelia opened the door again real quick and decided to slightly open the can and then go back inside again Maybe, but we Cornelia know that's is not like, what happened. <laughs> Cornelia is like uh, Quicksilver. <laughs> maybe. In, in the MCU. She was like... <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know how that how that applies to the plate of food, though. Because last minute we saw carrots, we saw mashed potatoes. Yeah, everything is nicely organized. You can see everything on that plate. But then now that the door is shut... The food is all jostled around. The bread is in a different location. The greenery is now facing you as opposed to the door side. The potatoes and the and the roast beef are there, but you can't see the carrots. The potatoes look like whole potatoes now and not uh, white mashed potatoes like we saw well, last time. I believe there's two different sets there. If you look at the plate of food from minute 47, there does look like hard-boiled. I'm wondering if they're onion. You know that the boiled onions? Oh, maybe. And they're they're next to the mashed potato and 
the roast beef. And then on the other plate, you can't see the mashed potatoes, but you could see maybe the boiled onions. I don't know if that's what they are. They could just be, I don't, I don't know. That's definitely a downgrade from the carrots. From, yeah, <laughs> from well, the I'm, last time we saw this plate mere seconds ago. I think the carrots are probably just hiding under the bread. Like, I think there's everything is still on that plate. I think just the bread is hiding all of it. That's my theory. We welcome yours. Let us know what you think. <laughs> so Joe grabs the plate of food and the can of Coke and dashes off. He dashes off like three feet away to sit next to those trash cans. Yeah. And the reason for that is Carrie... <laughs> I gotta stop calling Cornelia Carrie. You look what you started. Look at what you started, Ben. I because Cornelia is crouched down behind the door on the inside of the house, mm-hmm. and she is going to slowly rise up and peek out the window, right, to see if Joe got the food. Mm-hmm. So Joe sits down next to those trash cans to eat. He first takes a bite of the roast beef, and then of the bread. Now, Adam from Mary Britsmas, during the McDonald's Minute on Twitter, he commented how he can't stand the mouth noise of the people eating in the McDonald's Minute. Yeah. And I have to be honest, I didn't notice any of that. And I listened to that audio of that minute (laughs) an ungodly amount of times. But you can definitely hear Joe's mouth noises as he digs into this food, the crunchy French bread. So for your listening pleasure, Adam from Mary Britsmas, this is for you. Here is Joe from Santa Claus the Movie, ASMR, of him eating roast beef and some crunchy bread. So while Joe is eating, that is when we see... Cornelia slowly get up and peek out the window to watch Joe eat us. Cornelia's turn to watch somebody eat yes. from a distance, creepily. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think she's able to really watch him, though, because this window is completely frosted over. Like, it has, <laughs> I was, like, I was a going film. to mention that. Yeah, it has a film on it. So she can't see much out there. Then Joe takes a big gulp of Coke and a few seconds later lets out a belch. Now, you don't see Joe actually opening this can. So, I'm going to assume... Oh, interesting. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. I mean, there is a minute there where they cut out him, like, messing with the um, with the tab, you know, to get it. So that he, could he, have, could... he could have easily done that in the couple of seconds where Cornelia is That's starting what I'm to get up. That's yeah, what yeah. I'm saying. Maybe they he did that. That's that cut right there was him messing with the tab with Cornelia raising up in the door. That's like the cut of them of him messing with the Coke can. Now, Ben, let's go back to that burp. Yes. Do you think that was young Christian Joe really burping? Or do you think that was dubbed in maybe by a professional burper? Dubbed in. Dubbed in. You don't think that was really that kid burping? No, it, it looks it looks good. You know what I mean? It but looks pretty convincing. It does, but it's just a little a little off. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I can see it now. It's yeah. just a smidge. It's just, a, I mean, it's good. It's good. But the burp is a little bit too early. You know what I mean? Now I want to know who provided the burp. Well, it could have been. 
Maybe, yeah. You know, it could have just been a dubbed over burp. You know, maybe he was in the in the recording studio doing burps and yo's and you know what I mean to help with the audio later. That seems like something a 12-year-old boy would really like to do. Just go burp into this microphone. Well, our six-year-old would love it. So I'm <laughs> sure boys don't age that much. <laughs> so I'm sure a 12-year-old would love it. <laughs> he smiles, takes another sip of Coke, and sighs mm-hmm. very contently. Yes. Because nothing, there's nothing in the world you would like on a freezing night in New York City than a nice frosty can of coca-cola mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well i mean you know it's better than a milkshake milkshake is ice cream that would make him even colder and we don't know if this was a refrigerated coca-cola or do we <laughs> now this is a story that i originally heard when carrie did an interview with the guys on the Real Movie Fans podcast, or Real Fans for Real Movies podcast, I should say. Mm-hmm. They asked her about the Coke can, and that made me so excited. Because I had determined the Coke can, if we ever got to talk to Carrie, that the Coke can... No, surely, that would be too nerdy, too nitpicky to ask this woman about 35 years later. And they did it, and I was so giddy. I think that I rushed over to you and said... Ben, they, 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 they asked her about the Coke can. Yeah. And she has a great story about the Coke can. So great, in fact, that I asked her to retell the tale for us, for you. Yes. So even if you've listened to that interview that, I, that I'm citing right now, you can listen to it again because it is so great. We, we got to talk about it. I know you talked about it on the Real Movie Fans podcast. And I, I freaked out because I thought, oh, this is too nerdy to even bring up if we ever got to talk to her. But they went right for the Coke can, and I was like, yes! (laughs) (laughs) Could you just uh, maybe, like, do a condensed version of that little story? I love the idea that there was originally going to be a scene where (laughs) just a fridge from top to bottom with Coke. This little weird, like, butler pantry entryway before the back door. You go through the kitchen, you go through, and there was nothing in this room except Uh our refrigerator that was filled top to bottom with Coke cans, which apparently was part of, I I guess at least filming it, was part of the merchandising slash product placement contract that the Salkins had. Mm -hmm. The original filming was Cornelia with her plate of food going to the fridge of Coke, opening in it, taking out the Coke, and then putting the plate of food and the Coke in the snow. And I made very sure to place the Coke can so that Coke was facing the camera. And then someone, (laughs) when Joe runs up to take the food, the Coke can is spun. It is facing the other way. So instead of the big block letters Coke, it has the script Coca-Cola. Again, yes, you can see all my continuity. issues as as a member of this production um so the final version bugged the crap it's like how hard how hard is it to just we we all talked about it we all talked about how i was placing the coke town so that it faced the camera and and as i have said before that would be the one time i heard the director jano swords curse and it was because he was like then our you know our lovely little girl comes Mm -hmm. over to the fridge and 
opens it up and gets one. Yo. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. It's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm not really big on saying that word at age ten, but I, but I feel you on this. Like you're not <laughs> morally, you're not wrong. <laughs> this is, so it's, it's like watching the movie. It's like, well, was this a mistake or was this like Coke demanded that we you show the can from all angles? <laughs> Yeah, clearly a continuity mistake, and, and <laughs> in my opinion, one of the more embarrassing ones because it it was so easy to have fixed. Mm -hmm. I I believe that there's another movie that I'm in where I like go into a house wearing one color shirt and come out wearing another color shirt, and that one was because they at the end had to like combine two scenes and shorten a two-day concept into a one-day concept or whatever. And I, I genuinely have more forgiveness for that. I'm like, yeah, you know, if you're trying, if you're already trying to edit to fit time and plot, then maybe you miss wardrobe. The entire point of this scene was food in the snow. How do you not get that right? <laughs> just. That's hilarious. Can't you just picture? Can you imagine if that was in the movie? Cornelia opening the door of the refrigerator and it is stocked from top to bottom with Coca-Cola. I know. That'd be so funny, especially since you never see Coca-Cola again, you know, in, in that household. <laughs> the movie. I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, like Jeffree Star has a Red Bull refrigerator like that where it's just a refrigerator and it's just lined from top to bottom of just Red Bull. It's just crazy. There are people out there that have refrigerators like that. So it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. So like you said, this is the last we see of the Coca-Cola can. Mm -hmm. And between the 30 seconds in this minute, we timed it out. We had to yep. go back. We are curious. From the time we see Cornelia in the doorway holding the can of Coke to Joe contently sitting down with his can of open Coca-Cola after drinking it, has been exactly one minute. It's been stretched out for two episodes for us, mm -hmm. but in real time in the movie, that was 60 seconds where the Coke was the center of attention. Yes. So McDonald's only got 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. The Coke people managed to get managed to get a whole minute out of the Salkins. Yeah. So from the book, a little bit more about this particular scene. We have Cornelia stood and waited to hear anything from outside to let her know that the boy was getting the food. So in the movie, she crouches down. In the book, she's still standing. Once she knew he had it, she walked back through the kitchen in search of her school books. Somehow, even the thought of Latin verbs seemed exciting to her now. And then outside in the shrubbery, Joe grinned for the first time in days. The food was nothing he had had before. Even stale bread with peanut butter would have been a feast, but roast beef and gravy was like dying and going to heaven. And tonight when he slept, he may be alone and cold, but not hungry. And maybe he would dream of Cornelia. So the last thing we see before we cut to the North Pole and the elves is Cornelia smiles as she's watching Joe from out the window. Yeah. And we already asked the question about how can she see out that window? Mm -hmm. Maybe she's just listening, you know, like maybe she just heard that burp and she was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, good one. <laughs> good one. He got the goat burp. 
<laughs> so now we are back at the North Pole. We see the Patchomatic machine is still chugging away at full power. The toys are still being sloppily assembled. We once again see the shot of all the bolts not going into those holes on the wheel. And we're both pretty sure they just reused that shot from earlier. Yes. We haven't double-checked that. We haven't cross-referenced that yet. No. So yeah, I'll do it right gonna... now. I'll do it right okay. now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. This is the attention to detail people <laughs> are expecting from us. We can't get sloppy at this point. That's right. We have to learn from Patch's mistakes. <laughs> High quality only. It's not exactly it's, the same shot. I think it's the same shot, but the one of them is a bit uh, later than the other one. Like, I think it's the same shot because the swirling bolts look the same. But in uh, minute 45, when we saw it last, it cuts off uh, and it goes to a nut going on to a bolt. And in minute 48, it shows the uh, scooter wheel moving on and the bolts falling off so it doesn't show that part in minute 45 but the spinning of the bolts look the same now shortly after this we do see a fully assembled toy shooting out the doors of the patchomatic mm -hmm. and into the hands of honka now that shot also seems very similar to one we saw earlier mm-hmm while you have everything up, yes. is that Honka shot the same as well? Well, let's or different? see here. It is not the same. It's similar, okay. but it is not the same. Okay, I'm glad we have mm -hmm. confirmation. Yeah. Now, I also think at some point you can see that production chart. Yes. <laughs> that we have, we've talked about in the past, way off in the background. Uh-huh. But I couldn't make out any details on it. But I, I just wanted to say it was there. I don't know if they're using it for anything at all. I uh, I don't see it in this minute. Yeah, I see it. It's way over Patch's shoulder there. Um, it appear the top lines appear to be the same. In previous minutes, when we compared the production chart, it had not moved, and it still looks like it has not moved. I think it is just there for aesthetics. And now we see Patch. Patch is back. We failed to mention it last week, if you can believe it. But last minute was a, another minute where we didn't see Patch or Santa. Yeah. But here is Patch. He's holding a clipboard, and he's wearing his new assistant apron. He walks by a huge pile of toys that have come off his machine. We see Boog. And Honka again, a few seconds ago, mere seconds ago, he was catching... A ride-on toys flying off the Patromatic, and now he's assisting Boog, like, hoisting these toys on some sort of pulley system up into the rafters. Yeah. Now, I assume they're preparing to load them onto Santa's sleigh, as we will see in a, another couple of seconds. Yeah, it, it because the location of Patch's machine here, this particular one, is uh, towards the, like, right next to the toy tunnel, if I uh, have my... Um, if I have my bearings correct in the workshop down here, now you could tell very, I mean, not very easily, but you can tell that from when you saw Honka last, when he was pulling the blue ride-on scooter out of the toy-making machine, and now you see him hoisting up the, the toys with Patch, um, they have done a changeover on the toy-making machine, and it is, now has little toy uh cars i believe coming out 
It's very hard to see. It looks like they're cars or maybe, yeah, they look like cars. Yeah, like little race cars. Yeah, they look like little blue race cars coming out. But you really have to look to catch them because when we first started watching the background, we thought the doors were just opening and closing and nothing was coming off the assembly line. So we were very confused. But if you start going through it frame by frame, you can see little tiny race cars of some sort zipping off. Still cannot see in this minute. They've edited it so well that you still can't see if there's an elf controlling the back end of this machine like it does at the beginning. So I'm going to assume for movie movie purposes, this must run on its own. But so that, but they keep cutting out the back end so they don't have to have a character back there. Well, I don't know. We also have not seen Vout anywhere, so we can only assume he's just back there cranking away. True. running at full power. True. We have not seen Vout, have we? We have seen... We have seen Honka go from one place to another at super speed. Yeah. But we have not seen Vout. That's true. You are correct. Poor Vout. He's got to be exhausted. He is going to be ripped. We thought Santa was ripped at the beginning of the movie because he chopped all that firewood. I know. Vout's been going, going, (laughs) cranking this machine for like six months. Poor guy. Assuming, I'm assuming from around the clock. I, I guess he had a break when Patch became the assistant, though. Yeah. I would hope they would at least change everybody up. You know, three shifts and everything. So. It is odd that Patch hasn't thought to maybe, like, look in the machine. Somebody has to replenish the paint or the bolts, you would assume. Yeah. Well, um, I have a little bit from the book on this oh, section. Boy. Oh, boy. Of the movie. So. Back at the North Pole, Santa's factory was a beehive of high-tech activity elf style. Newfangled automated devices and patchwork assembly lines had sprouted everywhere, putting together toys with impersonal speed and regularity. Patch wandered among his machines a bit like a mad scientist reveling in his new position, happier than he had ever imagined being. Honka followed at his heels, hanging eagerly on his every word and basking in Patch's reflected glory. Patch only took the change in his friend for granted, completely swept away by his new prestige. He had even gone so far as to place a large sign over his machinery that read Patch's Toys. Forgetting in his inflated pride who was really in charge of the toys, or why he was really making them. The other elves had to admit, however, grudgingly, that he had made their lives easier. Patch had seen every bit of production, but his interests lay in more and faster. His machines did more and faster perfectly. He was confident that his designs worked, and there were far too many toys being produced for someone to check them for certainly non-existent flaws. And so countless toys went into Santa's bags with loose screws, poorly made connections, pieces that did not fit, a thousand different fatal hidden flaws and errors, all invisible to the eye. That, that's something I think I would have liked to have seen in the movie, but I remember mentioning it, I think it was in the minute with Jason, where I, I'm going to assume they didn't have the budget 
to make like a huge set full of these patch machines and assembly lines. Yeah. Because all we really get in the movie itself is like this 20 second bit Mm -hmm. of him walking around with his apron going, "Mm -hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It would have been, yeah, I definitely would have packed a punch visually to see like this, I don't know, like this, uh, like dire looking sweatshop i don't know yeah well, type yeah it would mechanicalized yeah like cold workshop it would have been kind of cool i mean they obviously didn't have to all work like one you know what i mean they could always just use mm-hmm. this one for the the you know the close-up shots but it would have been cool just to have uh kind of like an overlay of the workshop with like five of these machines lined up like they would be in a production line with conveyors going all around weaving in and out of the the landings and whatever you know just to kind of signify what patch has done to yeah, maybe, the north pole yeah and maybe i could picture like patch walking on like a upper yeah like, like walking around walk. the second floor overlooking yep, everything yep, like with, Santa with his clipboard did. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. there aren't really, not the hustle and bustle of elves so much as, like, the chugging of right. these cold machines. Yeah. If there's ever a reboot, you know, now we're in the age of CGI, <laughs> they could easily... Oh, yeah. They could easily do that. Yeah. But going back to actually what's happening <laughs> on the screen in this very movie, um, like we said, Patch is nodding in approval. He's looking at Honka and Boog, and he goes, mm-hmm, gives an approving nod. And Boog says, going well, eh? Going well, eh? And then Honka hoists that bundle of finished toys upwards. And then our minute ends, and it's nighttime, and we see Santa sleigh in the distance flying above a city skyline. And, of course, it's the miniature sleigh and reindeer, which we'll get into which we'll get into a bit more in our next episode. I just want to say a little bit from the book on Santa. I don't want to get too far into it because we'll talk about the rest of my notes in the next minute. But I just want to add this one little blurb uh, from to kind of close out this minute since we're on Santa here. So Santa was in high spirits, feeling completely rested and more confident than he had ever been in years. All the millions of good children around the world would get toys thanks to Patch. So as the minute ends, we are now officially, officially, because Santa is flying through the sky. It is now officially Christmas Eve, 1983. Yeah. So we didn't actually see it happen, but we have to assume that Honka and Boo, and and they were, this was like the final stretch before loading the sleigh for Christmas Eve. Yeah, I think the toy tunnel is right there. And, you know, in, in previous minutes, we have seen how they hang toys from the ceiling of the toy tunnel, you know, to take up as much real estate as they can in there before Christmas. And they fill up the bag. So before we close out the episode, I have pulled up a couple more pages from the UK press kit from 1985. <clears throat> that Santa Claus the Movie Collector and superfan Darren scanned and shared with us. We read some pages last week, and I'm going to read the passages here for Honka and Boog. We covered them in our early, early episodes, but here they have some quotes from the actors themselves about the characters they play, and I think it gives a little insight to their personalities. Are you ready for this? I'm ready, because I haven't seen any of this stuff, so this is all new to me. So first up, we will talk about Peter O'Farrell as Honka. 
And this is from the press kit. Honka, according to O'Farrell, is Patch's Mr. Fix-It. And this is uh, and this is Peter O'Farrell quoted. Whatever Patch wants, Honka finds. I'm Patch's gopher. I'm his yes man. Everything he does, I think is wonderful. And then it goes into a little bit of O'Farrell's career. He's an alumnus of both the Royal Shakespeare Company and the National Theater. He began in vaudeville when scarcely into double figures. Hang on, I'm turning the page. He toured Europe with a pop group as a teenager and had a small part in the Salkins, The Prince and the Pauper in the early 70s. And O'Farrell says, I'm the seventh son of a seventh son, <laughs> so it's hardly surprising I'm playing an elf. <laughs> And now we have Tim Stern is Boog, and they quote him saying, There's a pecking order in Patch's gang. Boog is a pusher, a real trier, a sort of in-between man. And then the press kit says, Another former Royal Shakespearean who has also worked at the Royal Court and many of the most prestigious English provincial theaters in productions that range from the standard classics to Mike Lee's Abigail's Party, Waiting for Godot, and the freewheeling comedy of the Ken Campbell Roadshow. And now we're going to close out on a quote from Tim Stern. It's very curious in a part like this because you get so used to seeing dozens of people in their elf costumes. It's only when outsiders appear on the set that you are suddenly conscious of how it must look to them. <laughs> now, sadly, there is a uh, page for Vout here, but we will have to read that when Vout reappears in the movie. Yeah, who, so stay that tuned. <laughs> and that is going to wrap things up. Anything else in your notes this week, Ben? Nope, that was it. That was it. I don't want to get too much further because, you know, the book and the movie aren't clear-cut, you know, uh, divisions. A- anything ha- Anything happening in the comic? I haven't heard that reference in a few weeks. Uh, no, nothing was... Ha- it didn't have any of the Cornelia and Joe stuff in the comic at all. In here, it does talk about Patch's, Patch's toy machine. It says, uh, and so throughout the following year, and there's a big picture. I'll put it on our website. There's a big picture of machinery. It's kind of like what we were talking about, how we would like to see an overview of the workshop. It's kind of similar to that with a whole bunch of conveyor belts and everything. With, um, Patch, I've never seen anything like this in all my born days. And Patch says, it's modern times, my friend. And then later on, Patch says, this will be the most productive Christmas ever. And that's, that's all we get. Doesn't really give you any insights other than they've been working on it throughout the year. (laughs) Nothing new. So if you have anything to add to this minute or anything Santa Claus the movie related, you can reach out to Ben and I at SantaByTheMinute at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media, right, Ben? Yes, at Santa Minute. Ben and I post a brand new episode each and every Wednesday. And as always, you can listen to any of our episodes. For free!